This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Uh, we are going to be talking guitarists on this one. Uh, and uh, Sir Alan, welcome to the episode. Uh, oh, uh, thank you for inviting me on again. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And uh, are we allowed to do this or not allowed to do the, do this? But uh, kind of bittersweet night. It's our last games of the hockey season. And now nothing happens until, what, September? Well, yes and no. I, I think that both uh, the Montreal Canadiens and uh, Phoenix Coyotes are going to have exceptionally busy summers, and I think there's a lot of hope in that. And in fact, I sent you an article earlier that said that uh, the problem with the Coyotes is that they don't open the purse strings, and if they actually spent some money and put a product on the ice that was worth seeing, they might be competitive. So there you go. Well, you know, they were only what? a point or two out of being in the playoffs, which is a big improvement of where they were. But I hear you. It's like it's the uh, it's a team com- comprised of really good grade B guys. Yeah. No, no, nobody there you'd call an A. Pop, yeah. Maybe. Galchenyuk? Uh, okay. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> now, uh, before we, uh, we turn off all the uh, listeners from Australia and other countries, let, let us get into guitarists because we just put up an episode where we talked to Jeff Keith and we talked to Carrie Kelly. And in between, we talked about Izzy Stradlin, the mythical Izzy Stradlin. He's mythical at this point. He's sort of like a... You know, what's that? Uh, like like Bigfoot or, or Santa Claus. He sort of shows up. But that he got a bunny. lot. Yeah, that got that got me in, in a little bit of trouble on the on the Internet. I had hashtagged the episode as hashtag Izzy 2019. And people are like, oh, you're, you're fake news. You're you're doing this. How, how do and I'm like, all I wrote was Izzy 219 as a reference to what we were talking about in the show. And of course. Fans or, or or listeners, they 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 create these fantasies of what is being said and done, and then when it's not what it was in their head, suddenly you're the problem and <laughs> you're the fake yeah, news. Well, you know, for one thing, lighten up, people. It's just a couple of old duffers chatting about music, musicians, and what we hear and the rumors that we hear and so on and so forth. Just lighten up. It's only rock and roll, and yep. uh, you know. There are far too many people on the internet who don't deserve a voice because they basically don't have enough brains to make their headache, let alone operate communication with people. So yeah. that's me for the night. You can tell I'm in a good mood. Yeah, we like uh, we like cranky. No, but uh, just that said, though, since since they want to feed the beast, uh, somebody reached out and said, "Hey, the promoter has actually offered Izzy a ton of money to show up for that night." So there you go. Stick that in your pipe and smoke. Let, let's see if really that really now that was something that I didn't know. That is news to me. So the promoter has uh, got up and pulled his wallet out of his back pocket and waving it. It is well. Well, a, a well-placed person who uh, has always had very good sort of intel in the GNR camp, uh, after he heard the episode, he reached out and he said, oh man, I thought the uh, the fact that the promoter had offered him a whole bunch of money was, was top secret. And, <laughs> well, it ain't now. So, it ain't now. Yeah, so hash- no, listen, in case you haven't got it yet, the Guns N' Roses camp leaks better than a calendar. Um, nothing is top secret there. And as much as they don't talk or don't want to talk or just don't want to deal with the press, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I've seen socks hold water better. Yeah, and you know what? When you don't talk to the breast, uh, press, the, pre- the breasts, when you don't talk to breasts, no, when you don't talk to the press, you lend yourself to rumor and speculation. Well, now we know what Mitch is doing on his Saturday night. That's right. I am <laughs> loving my moobs. I'm telling you, as I'm getting older, they are getting bigger. No, uh, jokes aside. <laughs> anyway, let, let us get to the, uh, the the crux of the episode here. We have got uh, two guitarists up first. Michael Schenker, who, of course, uh, played with UFO and the Scorpions. And here's the thing. Um, Michael called about 10 minutes late. It was supposed to be 12.30 to 1. He called it about 12.40. And at 1 o'clock on the dot, he said, got to go. 
right in the middle of a question. Just got to go have another have another interview. And I, I'm not sure if it really was because he had another interview or because suddenly I asked him a Scorpions question. And all of a sudden it was like, well, well, got to go. Don't talk. No Scorpions for you. Yeah, well, you know, it's probably a little bit difficult to evaluate that, you know, because on the one hand, you know, Michael didn't want to talk about that. And on the other hand, Germans are so precise. So maybe he was watching the second stick down. And when it got to that exact moment, he said, now I must go. So, Which is goodbye. what he said. So we'll we'll start the uh, the the interview just as as sort of a quickly. But folks, when you get to the end of it and it sort of just drops off like like a car off a cliff, that's not bad editing. That's that's how it was. It was just like gotta go. I'm like oh, all right. Well, before, <laughs> mid sentence. Before before we introduce Michael, I would like to just make one observation. Uh, love to love is utterly magnificent and is still one of my all-time favorite songs, and if that was the only thing he'd ever recorded, that would have been enough. And, and I'll add, I heard that he will be in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, with Guns N' Roses this fall. It's going to be terrific. Wow. Yeah. No, actually, it, it won't. It, that place is held for Izzy. But uh, without further ado, here is the seul unique... Michael Schenker. We are speaking with guitarist Michael Schenker. Of course, the Michael Schenker Fest is heading out on a North American tour, plus a second album will be coming out later this year. Michael, like I said just before we started, absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's always a great time. Thank you so much. So let's let's talk about this Michael Schenker Fest, because we had Temple of Rock. You've, of course, had the different versions of MSG and so on and so forth. But this one, I saw the show in Montreal I guess it was last last spring, and it was yeah. spectacular. I mean, it, it really is an event. It's not even a show; it's an event. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And we that you know, last year it was the first uh, leg of our resurrection tour, and uh, and because it uh, we didn't cover all cities, and uh, America is a big place, and the album went into the charts, and. Uh, um, you know, a lot of there was a lot of requests, uh, so we we decided to add a second leg um, to the um, is the rec, rec, resurrection tour second leg basically, and uh, the album the new album is coming out you know four months or something, but it's basically done. Uh, uh, released on twenty third of, of of August, but we are focusing still on the resurrection tour and cover areas and places where we haven't been uh, including some of the places where we you know like los angeles for instance where where we played last time but we play unique you know places like uh, whiskey or go-go which is funny because you know it's it that's where i when i was 17 18 years old that was where i first played <laughs> and so you know judas priest all these people they played there when they when they first came out and so it's like the full cycle you know it's 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 incredible you know to to actually ending up um to to play that place you know even just as a as a reminder or as a completion of a cycle you know it's it's fantastic but in general we we are very happy that uh, that we have um we have a great agent uh, putting together this 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 tour and uh, you know it's a two and a half to two forty five minutes it's a long show but it's over in no time you know because of the different singers you know the I mean it's fantastic to be able to enjoy uh, eventually um, you know having most of my original singers singing the original compositions you know and uh, and so. It's like four singers. Doogie is also like Gary and and Graham Bonnet and uh, Robin McCauley are more from the MSG era, and uh, of course they're singing stuff from the Resurrection album, which is more current. And uh, but uh, Doogie White is actually the guy, the singer who who uh, I was um, working with just before we did the Michael Schenker first, who was my latest singer, the current singer. Michael Schenker's Temple of Rock with Herman Rebel and Francis Buchholz. And so 
I asked him to join, um, you know, Michael Schenker Fest, and then we were complete because we had the past and the current combined onto one. And so with all these different types of singers, you know, the, the show is over so fast. It, it's just unbelievable. And since we played last in the last year, the resurrection to a first leg, um, because as we as we move on and we play, you know, other places and, and new tours and, you know, Japan, Europe, eventually our sets kind of, they change, but you don't really notice that until, <laughs> until you know, a year is over, which is good because that means that the people who saw us last time, they will not, not see exactly the same thing, even though it's called Resurrection Tour, a second leg, uh, it, it's, it's, we changed songs already and, and it's already a, a, a different show again. And so, you know, people who've seen it last time, they should not think they have seen it all. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but that our um, dear friend and great drummer, Ted McKenna, passed away. And yes, so that came as a slap in the bloody face and uh, it was such a shock. And, you know, it happened on January the 19th. So I went to the funeral on February the 19th. And, and so... I'm sure Ted wants us to keep on rocking and, 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 uh, you know, give our best. And so Simon Phillips, um, he, a fantastic uh, drummer who used to be with Jeff Beck on the first Michael Schenker group album and, uh, with Toto and Bodo Shops, they got together and figured out how we can, you know, um, make this uh, the, the, the most smooth, um, um, you know, uh, continuation. And so um, Simon uh, ended up playing on 10 songs on the uh, on the new record. And he was the first MSG drummer anyway, Michael Schenker group drummer. And so that is kind of an interesting development to have him, you know, be there and, and uh, helping out. And um, Bodo plays on three songs and Bodo committed to be who used to be uh, uh, the ex um, Mikhail Shenka, and now we have three, including me, four Mikhail Shenkas on <laughs> on the stage, which is incredible. And so we we really rehearsed our butts off in the last two months, and uh, we are ready to rock. You know, we are uh, basically we are ready to play live, and we are basically I got the master of the new album sent to me today to approve. And uh, we completed both things, you know, just in time and uh, in in a good in a good fashion. The album is fantastic. The Graham Bonnet, he he went like this time. I want to sing my own. I want to do my own melody and I want to write my own uh, um, lyrics. And he did a fantastic job. I mean, what came out of Graham this time on this album is is just amazing. You know, it's just I, I didn't know he can do things like that. So, so that is a, that's a, that's a great uh, um, bonus, and uh, you know, so we are getting, we are all ready to to do this, and and uh, we are already coming to um, Los Angeles doing full rehearsal. Um, we are doing video shoots for the new album already. Um, we're doing promo while we are in Los Angeles, and. Uh, you know, when when we are done with the resurrection tour, I I continue doing promo six days in Japan and and eleven twelve days in Europe, and uh, you know we we actually playing festivals with ZZ Top next to ZZ Top and uh, um, second on the bill with ZZ Top and uh, uh, um, co-headline with Dream Theater. So we are really really um since 2008 you know everything has come up back to the beginning of where i used to be you know it's it's a, a fantastic uh, experience how life has been designed for me you know i had no clue who i was in the beginning i did not understand why people called me michael schenker is god but after i finished with ufo strangers in the night and and left drive i i decided i, I I need to get out of the circus. <laughs> I wanted to stay true to myself, um, doing pure self-expression, which would have never suited um, Ozzy Osbourne or any any of them, and uh, experiment with music. Uh, 
And so as a result of that, I I got rewarded with the inner fulfillment and uh, the rest that I enjoy now, I'm making up for the things I have put on hold in my middle years when everybody else was uh, making uh, profiting from the commercial music. Uh, while I was, you know, doing my my, music, my little music thing, and uh, as a result of it, I I have now I I get a lot of icing, you know. I call it like I have put my house on the on the, on on solid rock, and uh, you know I followed my heart first, and so in the middle years I started to understand who I was in the beginning, and I'm very grateful for you know when I was when when I rode into the arena, that was the beginning of the the real work <laughs> to learn about life and about Michael Schenker and uh, because I had no clue who I was in the beginning I, I had no idea why people were calling me that uh, because I was just being myself and but you know now I'm learning how much impact and influence I had on so many people musicians especially and uh, but uh, you know, and so I'm being rewarded twice. You know, there's, I don't know if I said that already, but there's a saying, if you're true, to, you know, uh, stay true to yourself and everything else will be added onto you. That's ex- exactly what's going to happen to me. It's exactly what's happening to me right now. It really is. Now, uh, so much there to, to take up on. You mentioned, of course, Lights Out and Strangers in the Night. I I recently interviewed Ron Nevison, and he spoke highly of you, and he spoke highly of those two albums. Um, just quickly talk to me a little bit about what Ron Nevison brought to the band and brought to your playing. Was was he a, a, a sort of a teacher? Was it, how did he do that? And then very we'll get very good question, you know. And I am very firm and strong about this. Ron Nevison was a sixth member of the band. It was the completion of the chemistry between all musicians and him. And the same, I say the same thing about the Scorpions. If you notice that the moment they left Dieter Dirks, it all went downhill. And so Dieter Dirks is as, was as important as the rest of the original Scorpions that did have that success with, uh, um, uh, you know, no one like you and stuff like that. Um, it's the same thing. It's basically the same thing. It's if you take a, an important component out, the whole thing becomes something else. So for me, um, "Lights Out" was the first hit we had in the in in America in '76, uh, which I wrote when I was 21. And uh, the Scorpions um, never actually started playing America. Until um, '83, and my brother is six and a half years older than me. <laughs> People get confused about that because I, you know, I was already there when I was 18 years old. But um, the main thing is when the Scorpions, even though they had a great song with the Wind of Change, a, a great success, but the rest of the music was really bad. Uh, well, there was another one. Send Me an Angel was great, and and Heaven maybe, but. All the other rockers, it, it, it was, you know, you could hear that there was a major man missing, you know, somebody who was making sure that Klaus sinks proper. And, uh, you know, and, 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 Dieter and um, Ron Neverson is that, you know, Ron Neverson was the guy who knew how to put it together. He really does, and and it's funny that you mentioned. I, I just uh, I was just on the phone with Desmond Child, and he was talking about how the Scorpions in 2007 did an album, and he actually told Klaus, "I'm not going to go work with you unless you go learn how to sing in this range that I need you to sing in," which I thought was yep. amazing that you had to tell somebody like Klaus to do that. Um, then real no, quick, it, it's, no, but it's like this: Glenn Youth, you some people need a producer to keep out unnecessary things. And if you are in it yourself, you may not really know um, what you should not, what you should leave out. So you need an outsider who has an understanding and can see it from a different perspective. And that's what Ron Everson was for UFO and Dieter Dirks for was for for Scorpions. He knew what Klaus had to do to do it right. And when Klaus was left by himself. Uh, he didn't have that um, 
you know that 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 uh, uh, what Peter was taken care of, right. you know, like the, the the things that Klaus should not be doing. He doesn't know <laughs> what those things are. <laughs> see, I agree, and and as a as a fan, when I see one of my favorite bands have a new album comes out, and I see self produced, I go, oh, okay. Well, I'll listen to it anyway, because you, you do need an outside set of ears to sort of point. Now, your next album that's coming out on August 23rd, first of all, is there a title yet? And then I just want to ask you about who's producing that. Are you working again with Michael yeah, Voss? It's, okay. it's, it's, it's Salvation. It's called Salvation. Okay. And uh, I produced that with Michael Voss. And we have really got a really good uh, relationship uh, on the level of producing together, co-producing. And, um, you know, and it's basically like we both have our, our, uh, uh, um, things that, that the other one can't do, you know? And so you combine it together, you have a complete, um, you have a completion, you know? And so, um, it's, 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 it's working, it's still working. And so if it works, don't fix it. Um, it's not self-produced because I have a co-producer who, is automatically an outsider and an insider. Um, he is a Michael Schenker fan. He is an MSG fan. He is an 80s fan. Um, he is a great musician. And uh, But I write from within, and I come up with new sprinkles every album I make because, uh, you know, I, I just design from scratch something that nobody has ever heard before because it cannot be it can't have been heard before because it's coming from my inside you know so unless i express it it will stay in there and, and nobody will know about it but michael Foss, if you do a co-producing situation you know like um i structure i have the vision of of what 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 is going on and what i want to do and, and you know i've I've been doing this, you know, for half a century and, uh, um, you know, my middle years were all about experimenting with music. And, uh, and so, but, but basically if you have a co-producer, you already take care of each other, you know, because there are things that maybe Michael, you know, is very, comes up with that is very important and uh, vice versa. And, and I always start the album. You know, I come in, I know exactly, I write all the music, I know exactly how it should go, what it should be. And uh, I, Michael Frost usually does not know what I'm starting, what, 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 what's going to happen. He does not know what, what we are doing. I, I only know because I've written all the songs already. And so I start putting them on the table one after another, you know, and so eventually then Michael Foss starts getting a picture and then he jumps in with this um, inputs, you know, great inputs, very creative. And, uh, you know, and so it develops. It's a very unique way of doing things. And and uh, so it's not really self-produced. It's It's co-produced, you know, and that makes a big difference. If you have two people involved, you have two perspectives. Right, and you important. have two set of ears, too. So l l let me... Oh, yeah, four ears. And four. his ears are... Yeah, two sets, that's right. Two sets. And his ears are amazing, I tell you. He has got such a great ears. But, but I, you know, I, I may be half deaf, but my ears are not bad either because I actually spot something that he doesn't spot. So it is like that. It's a two sets of ears. It's a, it's a double, you know, double, double control. And that's that's perfect. So let me ask you about this, because the tour does start at the whiskey. And you did tell me that you were over there when you were 17. And you also said the word Judas Priest or the words Judas Priest. Uh, KK... Yeah, when I was, yeah. I went there and see and watch with my girlfriend, watch Judas Priest. I look at my girlfriend. She looks at me. We couldn't believe KK Downing looked exactly like me. He had a flying V on, the long boots, the curly blonde hair. <laughs> I, th I thought I was standing on stage. So, yeah, so let me ask you about that because it, it was beautiful. So let me ask you about that because KK just gave an interview a couple of days ago where he said that when Uli was about to leave, they had sent you, Michael Schenker, over to the whiskey to sort of scout and ask him 
uh, if he would come and join the Scorpions. So what is your recollection of that? Were you out to sort of scout uh, KK Downing for the, for the Scorpions? I didn't understand what you're saying. Who was joining who? Was joining who? Well, KK Downing, the guitarist of Judas Priest, in an interview yeah. said that at the time that Uli left, you had gone to the Whiskey... Uli left who? The Scorpions. Uli John Roth left the Scorpions. Uh, okay. And he said that at that time, you had gone to the Whiskey to go look, and you asked him to come join the Scorpions. That, that, he's, that, that's... No, I, don't, I don't get that part. The, 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 he, here's what happens. Okay. It's like I did Lonesome Crow, and after uh, I helped out UFO... Um, going uh, for one hour on uh, to the bathroom with Pete Way, learning their set because their guitars didn't show up. So I played two sets, one with Scorpions, one with UFO for two gigs. And uh, that's when UFO asked me to join them. And then I went to Uli and said, Uli, I think I told him I'm going to India to meditate. And uh, if he can join the Scorpions, you know, to help, uh, you know, I wanted... A, I remember this guitarist who would be able to to continue with the Scorpions uh, without too much damage by me leaving uh, so that Klaus and Rudolf could continue. And I joined UFO, and, uh, the, and, the, the, and, and there is nothing about him joining uh, the Scorpions. I, I'm not aware of that, unless I was completely drunk. <laughs> yeah, because his, his quote, and I have it in front of me, it says, uh, this is a quote from KK. He says, Uli left, and they asked Michael to look out for guitar players, and I guess he just thought I might fit the bill because Uli was just, well, we're similar kind of players. So I was just like, oh. Okay, uh, that's that's. I, an I don't understand this. I honestly, I, I nobody asked me to look for a guitar player, and the Scorpions were looking for a guitarist when Uli left. They asked uh, Rudolf asked me what I thought of Glenn Clemson. He was one of the people that may. Um, I think that he was the only person that he asked me about, and then he said, "But they also have this Matthias." And uh, and I guess they wanted to stay German, and they just took Matthias. But Matthias wasn't ready, so I had to come to help out uh, with the Love Drive album, which opened the doors for America for them. You know, I think I'm much uh, too... I have to stop. Yeah, okay, so good. Oh, well, and since, since you mentioned Love Drive, let me just quickly ask you a question about that. It has been... No, 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 I can't, because I have to do an interview right now, 17. It's, it's, uh, I'm one minute late. Ah, okay. Well, Michael, always, always a pleasure. And I'm hope... sorry. No good. All right, sounds good. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk. And a uh, very big uh, thank you to uh, Michael Schenker. And uh, I felt a little bit, a little bit like Wile E. Coyote there when the Roadrunner just goes... Beep, beep, and I go flying off a cliff. That's that's sort of what it was like. And, of course, we have learned, do not ask him about the scorpions. Yeah, but maybe you can ask him next time round about mashed potatoes. Apparently, according to Mike Clink, he is uh, an aficionado of mashed potatoes. And when Mike worked with him, he said that was pretty much all he ate at that time. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, as we've mentioned in the past, my, my, my heritage is uh, Danish, my mom's Danish, and there's got to be a potato in some form with every meal. You could sit down for fruit salad, and there's got to be mashed potatoes on the side. That's just, that's just what they do, I think, in those countries, but anyway. Um, well, they're not, they're not exactly known for being verdant and uh, subtropical. I mean, I lived in Sweden for two years, and uh, let me tell you, the uh, the local supermarket could look a little sparse in the vegetable area around about the middle of the winter and the back end of the winter. It's uh, They eat a lot of roots. Yes. We will get over to Doug Aldrich. And of yes, course, let's root on over there. Let's root on over to Doug Aldrich. He, of course, and you are going to love this because I am going to connect this to Kiss not once, but twice. Pay attention. Watch the maestro at work. <clears throat> All right. He uh, he does have a new album with the band Burning Rain. It is called Face the Music. It is the fourth Burning Rain album, and it, and it includes 
Keith St. John from Montrose and currently playing with Kingdom Come on vocals. Brad Lang of YNT and Blaz Elias of Slaughtered round out the lineup. The album is absolutely, absolutely delightful. It is certainly something to uh, check out. But Doug has also played with Dio and Whitesnake. We know that. So far, no Kiss connection. Here we go. He also played with Hurricane back in 1990 on the album Slave to Thrill. And guess what? You ready for this? It was produced by Michael James Jackson, who produced Kiss's Creatures of the Night. But, 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 but I, know you're, I know you're loving this. We're not done. During the Creature of the Night uh, recording sessions, the band went through some changes. They got rid of Ace Fraley. Big mistake. And they tried out a whole bunch of guitarists. Good idea, including Richie Sambora, apparently. But they also tried out Doug Aldrich. Huh? Huh? There you go. One, one, one of these days, Mitch... I'm going to get you into a deprogramming rehab. I mean, my God, how slender were those reaches just to mention Kiss? Um, you know, maybe you can, uh, maybe, maybe we can do an advert for maybe a tape company or something and see if we can connect that to Kiss. Oh, 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 you, you thought those was weak? You thought that was weak? Okay, all right. Now, now you have challenged the expert. Not only was... Slave to the Thrill, produced by Creatures of the Night producer Michael James Jackson. It also includes the song 10,000 Years, which was written by Adam Mitchell, who, of course, wrote a whole bunch of songs for Kiss, including on the Kiss Creatures of the Night album. There you go. Three for one. It is Three for one. A yeah. stunning night, and Montreal <laughs> managed to get past Toronto. Yes. A splendid night, especially since you're going to be talking to boobies later. Yeah. Yes, my, I'm going to look at my moobs here, and, and uh, well, I'll probably have to go on to Amazon and order a little brassiere for it, but whatever. Uh, face the Music, Burning Rain, Doug Aldrich, of course. You loved him in Whitesnake. You loved him in Dio. You kind of liked him in Dead Daisies, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We, of course, loved him in the Dead Daisies, but you will absolutely, absolutely adore him in Burning Rain. Face the Music is out now. Go buy it. In fact, buy it twice and send me a copy. <laughs> Why not? In fact, buy it three times and send an Al Alan a copy too. Here is the one, the only, as we say in Montreal, the seul et unique, Doug Aldrich. We are speaking with a guitarist, Doug Aldrich. A new Burning Rain album is called Face the Music. We've got Keith St. John, Brad Lang, and Blas Elias of, of course, Slaughter fame and Blue Man group fame there. Monsieur Aldrich, always, always a pleasure. Hey, Mitch. How are you, bro? Good, good. Surviving and... Uh, Surviving and thriving is the way I like to say it. That's you know? awesome, man. Yes, well, no. sound, that's that, that sounds like a good a good way to start the weekend. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Now, listen, you yep. and I have over the years we've done the entire history of we've done the Dio and the Bad Moon Rising and the White Snake and but I really want to focus as much as possible on this one on this Burning Rain because you've done a couple before. Uh, at the turn of the century, millennium, whatever, 99, 2000. <laughs> it's so I, funny, man. Yeah. It's the 20 year anniversary of the band. It's like, we haven't, we're still getting off the starting blocks, but, but yeah, I think. Oh, um, and there was an epic obsession it, in, in 2013, which was really freaking good. Um, that wasn't so long. I mean, not six years. That's, six, that's a normal band thing. With, right. But the thing is, I couldn't, I, I, you know, prior to that, it was 2000 was the release. So it was like, you know, 13 years between the second and third album. But what happened is um, when Keith and I started this thing, it was just for, it was basically just for a record company in Japan picked us up. And we had later, we got a little bit of action um, stuff in, in Europe, but, um, but it was, it was, you know, brand new thing. And then at that time, Keith joined Ronnie Montrose. I joined Ronnie James Dio and we went our separate ways for a couple of years. We knocked out, um, well, actually, that's right. The second record is when we both joined those things uh, right after that. And then in Whitesnake, man, I had no free time. I was I was so dedicated. At this point, the audio dropped off for just a little bit, but I got right back to Doug. And so let's continue with Doug Aldrich. Epic obsession out with Keith on weekends. We'd I'd fly back to L.A. and I'd, I'd put the kids down and and uh, just get working on the record. And we finally got it out. But then Whitesnake went and got busy on a tour. So uh, there was no time to really promote it. So this is the first time 
thank God that we're going to, we're going to give this band a shot to, you know, see what it can do. Yeah. And then hopefully get another album out like in two years, but okay. So let's look at the project. Cause you, you were dividing your time with white snake and Dio and Montrose for, in his case. And of course now um, kingdom come in his case, but You've got Revolution Saints, you've got the Dead Daisies, you've got this. How do you sort of manage the projects and keep them up? Do, do, does one go to the front burner and a couple go to the back burner? Do they all get, you know, one third of the front burner? What, how do you manage which band gets what? And, and sort of which one do you want to prioritize? Well, I, I want to prioritize. The, the, I'm really into bands. and The Dead Daisies is my day job. Burning Rain is my is my, uh, my, it's my baby. You know, it's, it's, uh, Keith and I are very passionate about it. We always have been, we just haven't had this opportunity before. And now we have a chance to, to do it. But to answer your question, the, um, Revolution Saints is, is a project, you know, that, that that's not a, it's not a touring situation at this point, maybe in the future it will end up being, cause we are going to work on another record at some point, but, the Dead Daisies is my is my main commitment, and now I was able to to carve out a chunk of time um, as the Daisies are on hiatus right now that I can support and promote the Burning Rain Face Music record. and And Keith and I are taking it serious. You know, we're um, we've got a record release party in Vegas next week or on the end of the month um, at Vamped. It's the twenty twenty eighth. I believe no 29th 29th advance in Vegas of March. And then we're going directly right after that on a, a month long acoustic promo tour. And we're going to finish up April at the frontiers fest full band with Blossom Brad. So we're getting it started. Then we're going to let the record kind of just chill a little bit over there in Europe and, and start doing some weekend stuff in the States. Um, and we'll get back to Europe, you know, at some point this year and do a proper band tour. Well, okay, so let me ask you about that, because Burning Rain comes to town. Let's say you're coming to Ottawa or Montreal, uh, you, theoretically. And I go see that, and I know that we've got Blas there, and I know that you... Do you sort of do, you know, 10 of the Burning Rain songs, and then a couple White Snake and a couple Dio, and a couple Slaughter? Or How do you do that? Or is it like, no, if you come to a Burning Rain show, you get the best of the four albums... And how do you sort of plan that or, or create the set list for a I, Burning Rain show? I don't know yet, actually, because um, we haven't done it yet. But we've got a ton of material to choose from. And um, we could, we're, we're, we'd be totally fine with just Burning Rain music. But I'm not opposed to, to doing what you mentioned, um, just to have some fun. You know, people, the, the, the thing that I've learned from the Dead Daisies is, is that, um, People really just, they want to have fun. They want to get out and have a good night at a show. And, and you know, you got to mix it up. So you may do a tour at first where you do that, and then you come back and you don't do that. You don't do any covers from old bands that you were in. In my case, I would love to do, like I did with Glenn Hughes, is, is do a couple songs that I wrote for Whitesnake. And, um, that, you know, that would be awesome. But it's not... It, it, it could we could do it or we could take it or leave it you know what i mean we'll see we'll see what happens well i'll give and you a fan pers- fans yeah see i'll give you a fan perspective on this i think if i go to a burning rain show and you do you know seven white snake songs to me the message is the burning rain stuff's not good enough so i've got to fill it and that that's that's not good but if you come in and you no. do you know Keith and you guys doing Still of the Night and Keith and you guys doing Up All Night from Slaughter as as encores or or peppered in there halfway through the I go, okay, that's fucking cool. And I think that's sort of the way you gotta do it. If you do too much relying on the past, then it just says, Well, we can't take BR seriously. And that's not because the album's great. So um in fact let's let's get to that. Let's Yeah, talk. we're not we wouldn't I would not, I wouldn't do seven white. Well, but you see that's ever, what I'm anyway. saying. Right. Because I would be a cop. I would do yeah, and I and I and I wouldn't, you know, to be honest, as much as I love Still the Night and it's and I can play the hell out of it, I love it. I love doing it actually as a trio. That's the funnest, you know, with, with no keyboards and no extra guitar. It's just it's like it's really a blues riff, blues song. But I would do a song that I wrote. I'd do Forevermore or or Level Set You Free or something like that because 
the fans still love those songs and they're not going to hear them on the, the, the new White Snake tour, probably. Ooh, Love Will Set You Free. Uh, 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 that's a great song. That is a great song. Anyway, let's yeah. get to this Burning Rain stuff. So, listen, we had, uh, whatever, 13 years between album two and three. We've had six between three and four. Are these songs that have sort of been sitting somewhere in a vault for six years, 13 years, whatever, or did you sit down with Keith and say, okay, we've got this deal with Frontiers. We're going to write a new record. You know, where do these songs come from? And what sort of was the writing process to, to collect these 11 songs or 12 songs if you're in Japan? Um, we are, um, we, we, we had a couple of things that, that were things that we had written over the past two or three years that were, you know, we, when we, when we started to sit down and listen to what we had, we thought these are really good songs and face the music. The pedal track is one of them. We had that. It was actually something that I had, I was thinking about that I want was going to present to David and I never did for some reason. I don't know why, but, um, then I, I, the Keith and Keith loved it. He got right on it and then we forgot about it. And when we were, when we were going through stuff to just start at writing for the record, we found that song and just both were like, this is definitely worth pursuing. So, you know, it was, it was raw. So we had to write it anyways. We had to finish the song off, but the basic idea was, was good. And then the majority of the, the rest of it, we, we wrote last year. We'd get together on my breaks with the daisies. And, and the cool thing is, man, is that Keith, and by the way, Keith just kills on the record. I'm so, I'm really, I think he sounds amazing and he's really coming into his own and uh, I'm really proud of him. He's, he's just great. Um, but he, what's cool about Keith too, is it doesn't matter what I play. He'll, he'll try to sing something on it. If, if he, you know, he'll go, Oh, that's cool. Let me, let me sing something. And then he'll break out his phone and he'll, and I, I, it's really, it's really cool. It's not like, and you need that in our situation. Cause at the moment it's, it's just Keith and I writing. So you need a guy that's really, you know, try some stuff and not be worried about, hey, if it doesn't sound good or not. I mean, who cares? We're just sitting by ourselves. So we got we got creative during my breaks with uh, Daisies, and and then we formulated the outline of the record and then filled in a couple of songs that we thought would be cool additions. And like for example, we had enough medium rockers and stuff like that. We we needed a something different and shelter was a good song that we kind of were looking for something that would just be, that would just be a different color for the record. But in the future, what I would love to do, and it wouldn't have to take two years, um, is I'd love to do what the dead daisies do is get the whole band, have a, a situation where we have the whole band in a room and bang out a bunch of everyone's ideas, everyone's best ideas and try and make them all as great as they could be. And then sit down and take a vote and see which ones stick, you know? So that's, that is a great way to write. That's a great way to write because you, you bounce off every ideas and you, and you know what, what people's strengths are and where they want to take it musically. Um, real quick, uh, I'm going to move away from Burning Rain for a second. Uh, the other day, uh, Kelly Hansen was in town with a foreigner. I had a chance to go to go say hello. You did work on the Slave to the Thrill hurricane album which if fans haven't heard it that album is spectacular i mean jay shellen is is killing it on drums which no wonder he's with yes now kelly is killing it on vocals you are killing it on guitar and tony of course is is killing um talk to me about that situation just going back to 1990 when you came into hurricane was it of a more of a hired gun situation where hey we're making an album and we need a guitar guy or was that sort of like okay this is the new band and this is us moving together and moving forward because you know you and you and Jay and, and Kelly it was really locked in you got to do uh, rating the rock vault with Jay later on as well um, yeah just talk to me about about that slave because it it you know I hadn't listened to it honestly in about. 15 years and about a month ago i i made a whole playlist of nothing but hurricane songs like 70 songs or something like that and that's like it, it is really good i mean beyond good it is spectacular that's, that's very nice i i have to listen to it myself but basically what happened was i i had i was in lion this my right. band the early one yeah 
Not the white lion, the other lion. Um, we, right. <laughs> we, we were doing, we were, we were doing well in LA, and we, uh, we weren't a glam band, so we weren't one of the first bands to get signed. So the, by the time the trickle down effect got to us, um, we did get signed to a label, but it just wasn't a great label for. for they didn't want to spend any money on us, and um, they, they did. We were able to get a video out of the parent company, but the company that was in charge really didn't wouldn't give us tour support or anything. So we just kind of fell apart and I had passed on a few gigs. I passed on Dio. I passed on slaughter, a bunch of other things had come and gone. Even at one point I'm mega death. Dave Mustaine called me. Then he, he ended up once he just didn't, he ended up stopped, stopped talking, but there was all these different things out there that I could have pursued I was wanting to be loyal. I didn't want to leave my band in a, in a situation where, because I really loved the band and I wanted it to work. But eventually the band broke up because Mark Edwards, the drummer, suffered a, uh, a broken neck, basically, and was, couldn't drum anymore. Fortunately, now he's, he's fine and, and very successful and got a beautiful family. Everything's cool. But that left me hanging. I had nothing going. And um so I started doing sessions and I did a little of this and that. And one of the things that came up was the management company that Lion was working with also had a hurricane and they said, Hey, they're, they're getting rid of their guitar player or he left. I don't remember which, which it was, but he said, look, they have, um, you know, they've got a, a publishing deal for the record and they split it up and everything's equal with, with the guys. And, you know, why don't you check it out? And I forget actually if I auditioned or I don't even remember, but we, we started writing together and, started to make a little wage and we toured and then that and we all, well actually we made the record it was a really difficult process for me because um michael james jackson and i were butting heads like crazy the whole time <laughs> but um anyway finally we made it and even though it was hard for me it was difficult for me to listen to it without that remembering all the butting of heads it, it is probably it was it was a good, a really good thing for me to learn to work like that. Now, I'll, I'll explain why. It's because when I got into when I got into White Snake, David was really he he wanted to to be really creative, and when he would tell me things, I knew what he was kind of looking for. Like when he said an arpeggio, a different tone, a clean thing, or a, a harmony part, or something. See if you can find something for this or that. I knew what he was talking about because Michael James Jackson had wanted me to do those things. And at that time I was stubborn and, and, you know, thick, you know, thick skin. And it was like, Nope, I'm not doing it that way. I'm going to do it this way. I, I, I thought I knew it. I thought I knew more than I did. And, um, so I was glad that Michael James Jackson taught me some things about overdubs and layers, things that, you know, that he learned from other people, you know, and, so it worked out good, but it was painful at the time because we just, I wanted it just to be like a, a really heavy kind of, I wanted it to be kind of like a white snake thing or a, or a, um, something heavier than, than what Michael James Jackson wanted. And, uh, but in the end, I think fans said that they liked it, you know? They did, and it's funny, uh, even though you're not on all the Hurricane albums, when I listen to them, I hear a lot of sort of Richie Sambora riff, style riffing going on, which is interesting. Uh, so let me let me ask you about the timeline, because you mentioned two bands there. You mentioned Slaughter and Megadeth, and uh, of course, Slave to the Thrill came out in 1990, so... Uh, were you being considered to replace? Were you in sort of competition in Megadeth against Marty Freeman, kind of thing? Because he he comes in in 1990, Jeff Young leaves. Uh, were you supposed to be replacing Jeff Young, or was this before Jeff Young in the late? Uh, like, where in the history were were you sort of in the mix in the I conversation? Actually, yeah, I actually have no idea because I, I I didn't really know Megadeth except for a couple songs on you know that was on MTV. I didn't. But but it was in 1990 thing. around that, that that this came up. It was, it was in 80, it was in 89 actually because in 90 because okay. and, and to be honest I'll be really I'll be tell you the truth and Dave Dave and I are friends now Dave Mustaine and and Dave Elson are friend, we're all friends I I love those guys um, and they but at the time Dave called me 
he, he, he's talking to me for a minute and then he hung up. I didn't know what happened. And I just, I, I forget who told me to, okay, Dave's going to call you. So be home, make sure you're home this is before I had a cell phone or anything. And, um, I, it might've been Grover Jackson that, that set it up or whatever recommended me. And, and he just, he, he, he just got done talking and hung up and I, I never talked to him. I never told Dave about that. So it'll be funny if he ever sees this interview. Oh, he will. Interview, but, um, Come on. My, my, my stuff but, gets everywhere. He'll, he'll see. <laughs> I know it does. I know it does. And the headline will be Doug Aldrich turned down Megadeth. And it'll be like, no, I didn't. And I didn't say that. What happened is, is we talked on the phone and I, somebody put my name in and, and he, he, the conversation just ended abruptly. And I don't know what happened. Maybe he, I don't know, maybe the line got disconnected, but he didn't call back and I didn't call back. I didn't try to call him back. I just let it be what it was. I, I was kind of still, you know, at that time I was wanting Lion to work out and the same around that same time Slaughter called right pr- prior to that Dio had, I had, had, uh, so, so Slaughter calls and, in, so Slaughter calls in nine and out. Okay. So let me get this straight. Cause Slaughter puts out stick. It, it to all you. happened. It all happened before hurricane. So hurricane, okay. was when I got, when, when Lion fell apart, I got, Along with doing some sessions, I started working with Hurricane, and um, it okay, was so, only just because I wanted to, I wanted to play, you know. But Dio was gone by that time. Megadeth was probably gone, and Slaughter was definitely gone. They had already gotten Tim Kelly. Um, Ronnie got Rowan Robertson, and so I was out of a gig. Okay, so the, so the timeline makes sense then, because Slaughter puts out their first album in '90, so you're not being considered to replace Tim Kelly, you were sort of in the run. So Dana is probably doing what Dana does. He's compiling these people to make a super group because Dana, Dana is great at assembling characters. And then Megadeth. Yeah, no, I, I, I gotcha. All right. I, I, I figured out. Friends, yeah. I, I mean, Mark Slaughter had, had um, been friends and we jammed a couple of times and, and he's the one that actually called me and he said, look, I got this, this band we're putting together. It's me and Dana and this killer drummer Bloss. And, um, and we're looking for a guitar player. And I think you're, I mean, I think you'd be perfect for it. And, and I just, you know, I just kind of, pat, I, and, and this was something I, I'm a little bit embarrassed about that I passed on a deal gig, but I just was trying to be loyal to my guys, you know? And that, and so once I passed on deal, I passed on slaughter. I just, I was like, I want, I want my band to, you know, to, to work out. Cause I really love it. I believe in it. And it, in the end, as things do in the music industry, it didn't didn't pan out. So it is what it is. But um, but it's but Slaughter um, went on to do really well, and that was cool. Um, Dio did great. So nobody needed me. Nobody needed you. <laughs> well, okay. So so since we're since we're in 1990 here, this seems to be the uh, the important year of your life. You do the House of Lord album, Sahara. You're, you're just a guest. You're not you're not through the whole thing. Was that a situation where you just came in and they needed a, a different guitar flavor or, or solo or something? Or was that one of those where they were trying you out and you might have been the guy? Or was it really just a guest spot? No, they, they, they didn't. They had parted ways with Lanny Cordola and um, they were doing demos and they wanted me to come and do demos. So I did the demos. And one of them was the Blind Faith remake of Can't Find My Way Home. And it, it was really fun working with those guys. They're hilarious. Greg Jafrio is, is awesome and really, really great guy. And Ken Mary, they're all James Christian. They're all great guys. And um, But I just did the demos. I had already cut the record and a couple of videos with, with um, I no, I take that back. This was around the time when I was getting. This is this is around the time when maybe the the Hurricane record was. I can't remember if it was before or after, but it was still around that time. But I was committed to Hurricane already, and so we go in and we do the session for the Sahara record, and those guys are going, "Look, man, you gotta you gotta leave that other band and come join us. This sounds really good." And blah blah blah. And I said, "Guys, we already spent." a bunch of money, record company money that obviously we got to pay back as hurricane. We got to, we, you know, the album's not even out yet. 
there's, there's two videos shot with me. I'm not leaving that band. That would be super uncool to do. And I, it's not that I wanted to leave them anyways, but I did enjoy working with House of Lords. So they, they ended up getting, I, I did this pretty much the entire record. And then they had, um, they had uh, my guy come in and do a couple solos. And then he was on the album, but, but I played on everything. And then when they got in rehearsals, they weren't happy with him. And at that time I was off tour with hurricane and, and, uh, and went and did the tour with them. And that was it. But the funny thing was, was I had, I had met Gene Simmons a couple of times, obviously, cause well, I met him back when I was a kid, but, right. um, he, I met him, I met him somewhere and he, I just remember he was, he was looking at my wife's breast. <laughs> Surprise, like, surprise, surprise. So that's so cool. You know, it's like Gene Simmons is, he's, he's just like the rest. I mean, that's, that's terrible to say, man. <laughs> I shouldn't even say it, but, but Gene, we I love mean, Gene. He's awesome. Um, anyway, I love Gene, you know that. And, and so he came to me during that house Lords thing. He goes, you need to leave the, the tropical depression. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. That band, what do you they call uh, What do you call them? Tropical depression. I said, hurricane? He goes, yeah, that's the one, tropical depression. I go, <laughs> Gene, I, do you remember the last time I saw you? You, were, you, were, you? you couldn't take your eyes off my wife. You didn't have any time for me. Now, all of a sudden, you want me to, you want me to you know, blow everything off and, and upset record companies and do all this stuff. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't do that. So that was it. But um so, so you know, hurricane was, was the worst to... moment of your life. Then it, it, it prevented you from joining Dio, Megadeth, Slaughter. Uh, so no, no, House... no, that all happened. That <laughs> happened. That happened prior. It did prevent me from joining House of Lords, but Dio and and Slaughter uh, were before. That okay, stuff all happened. It, yeah, that was before. So it's not to say that, that Hurricane was a consolation prize. It was just another gig that came up, and there was always. Um, there was always something happening at that time until, you know, with, with that kind of rock until around 91 or 92 when the grunge thing hit, then it kind of, everything dried up. Well, you see, on the upside, though, it's a great album. That that song at the beginning there, Reign of Love, for example, is just fucking killer. Dance, Little Sister. I guess that was the video you had made because that was a single, I think, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, um, that was... That and next to you was a cover. It was not a cover. It was a song that was written yes. by forget who wrote that. But next to you was a cover, and then Dancel Sister I brought in. But we all we wrote as a band. Well, um, listen so to this. I have the cool, CD but... in front of me. Next to you was written by Brad Parker, Fran Gold, and Wendy Wallman. None of which who I actually know. Who are these people? Oh, the, I see who they are. Um, oh, they they wrote. I don't know. For... They just said okay. Yeah, I don't know. They 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 had written some stuff, but um, yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, they, you know, they um, it was something that the management or the record company, somebody said, hey, we like this song. Why don't you check it out? And we, yeah, I was really struggling with how to play that song to make it sound tough because it just wasn't, it just wasn't tough. It was really difficult, and finally, it kind of got something going with with it where I was happy with it. But, um, and I yeah, can imagine, cause I'm, I'm, a, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just going to cut you off for a second, but I'm looking at their writing credits. I mean, Fran has written for Diana Ross, the Commodores, Whitney Houston and stuff. So not exactly a hurricane kind of, of moment. And, um, Wendy has written for Linda Ronstad and bands like, and, and artists like that. So yeah, I could understand that the song coming in was probably not a heavy metal, hard rock thing, <laughs> you know? Well, I, actually, and you know, now it's, it's weird how things change. Cause I mean, I was stubborn and, and everything, but I'm glad for those situations that I've, that I've learned from, you know, I actually, I saw Michael James Jackson on the kiss cruise and I, and I went up to him and I said, Hey, Michael, Doug Aldrich, you know, and he goes, Oh, Hey Doug. And um, I said, hey, I just want to apologize if I was just a pain in the ass. And he goes, yeah, I appreciate that. You were, you were, you were a tough kid. You know, you were like, you really thought you wanted it a certain way. And and uh, but I appreciate you apologizing because it was difficult sometimes. 
and I, I just know I was really, you know, I wanted it to be a certain way. And it, I had to, I found out that you have to compromise a little bit sometimes to, to get from point A to point B. You got to be a team player, right? And that's just that's yeah, the that's way it, it goes, you know? Now, speaking I, I never of, compromised myself. I always tried to. I always try to do my very best. Always. Yeah, absolutely. Do now. Listen, I, I know we're getting here close to. It won't mean anything to people, but we're getting to close to five o'clock, and I know you have to take your kids out to. I think it was a school play or a school something. Um, yeah, I, it, it's my. It's um, it's a really nice day here in L.A. I'm, it's a fun run thing, and I I want to say this. Some people I. My wife put it online that my son was doing this fun run and, and some people pledged for him. And I really appreciate that, that he raised some, some good money for his school. And uh, thanks you so much to those people that are, that have done that. Um, that, that is was, very I cool. I didn't expect it. That is very yeah, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I didn't expect it at all. But my boy is this, he is, he is, I mean, I've, my kids are my heart. That's everything. But my boy is, he's, I call him the Lionheart Ninja because he's just, He's like this, you know, he's, he had some medical issues when he was younger and he, so he's really thin and, but he's got a heart like a lion and he's, he's just, he's awesome, super sweet and, and really tough at the same time and a, and a great kid. So I'm going to go hang with him, but I will say this, I yeah. love talking to you and I really appreciate all your support for not just burning rain and dead daisies and all that stuff, but for all of what you do to keep seen alive you're a good man and uh and good things are, are sounds like good things are happening for you and i'm really yep. happy for you thank you sir and and i will quickly remind everybody uh face the music uh by burning rain i have had a chance to hear uh, in fact i've heard the whole thing it is a hard rock it, it, it's 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 the way it's supposed to be so so support doug support Blas and Brad and Keith and uh, you know Doug, just keep keep making music, keep us entertained, and as we say in Montreal, I love it, man. I, yes. I absolutely. Yeah, I, and this record is one of those ones that it, it'll it's it's kind of one that'll grow on you more and more the more you hear it. You know, it's not it's not a first listen like oh my god, it's perfect. You know, it's like you're gonna. It's the type of record that I like to buy myself. Is is I, like. I just I just bought a, I just got a record that I listened to it and then like three or four songs blew me away and now I've listened to those so many times now I'm discovering where the artist is going on the other songs and um, that's it man Joe Bonamassa his new record I love it it's a, it's as they say it's a grower not a shower. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's that's the ne- that's the title of the next album. Album number five is going to be called Grower Not Shower. But uh, Face the Music is the name of the album. It is out. Uh, it is great. It is fantastic. And uh, there you go. Merci, Monsieur, Thanks, as we Thanks. say. And thanks to all the, the people that have stuck with us. I mean, we've got now we've got a, a really, a really obviously we've got a great crew in in Japan and, and we've got a great crew in Europe and we're getting South America going. And, um, I'm really excited that we, that we can actually bring the, you know, that we can all go together and play for the people and, and really give this thing a shot because I think it deserves it. You know, it does. It does. And uh, now with four albums, you've got an entire set list and you're, you're good to go. And hopefully we, we will see you either on festivals or locally because it, it, it is something I mean, just look at the pedigree in that band. I mean, you've, you've got a guy. I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, anyway. good. Keith, Keith is Keith is killing it, man, and, and so great to have Bloss. And Brad is uh, Brad is the most. He's a perfect guy for this band. He's so positive and and yeah, he's such great. A, such yeah. a great player. Will Will Bloss tour? Will Bloss tour? Because I know he does yeah. Blue Man Group and blah blah. And he he's been he's basically set up shop in Vegas like twenty five years ago. Will he? Yeah, he he will. Okay, he's doing. Uh, he, he's doing. He's actually doing rock oh, ball now, and he is. Yeah, oh, and, and Trans Siberian, um, right? So he has been touring. Yeah, right? and Trans Siberian. He he's anybody that saw him with Trans Siberian knows he's just on on fire. So we're we're definitely gonna. Um, he's he's going <laughs> for sure. I don't. You know, you never know in this business. Things people get busy, families, things happen, whatever. And Bloss. One of his things was that he took off time to to raise his family. He's got a beautiful family, and I respect that. And I always am like, hey, with anybody, 
if something comes up that you need to do or that you can't do with us, it's, it's okay. I, I want the best for my friends. And, but at this point, boss wants to go. So he's, he's coming. We're going to do the, the Vegas gig. We're going to do the Italian gig and then we'll start doing some stuff in the North America. Um, and we'll get to Europe later again for a full thing. Perfect. We want to go everywhere. Perfect. And, and, and right now we need to go to family time. You, you, you've got a son there waiting and I've got my, my two waiting. So family time. And we say in Montreal all the time, merci beaucoup. And you know that cause you, you, you've been here quite a bit. Um, thank you. Sir. Yeah. I wish I, I wish, I, I wish that we would come and I hope we, we do. With oh, Bernie well, Rain and we'll I make it happen. Back. Yeah. I know people. Sounds good, man. <laughs> I know people who know well, people. Well, thank you. Thank you, brother, and have have a great weekend with your family, and thanks to everybody, all your listeners and everybody out there. I really appreciate you guys. Great. Thank you. Cheers. All right. Cheers, bro. Bye-bye. Merci.